We're talking about God's way is the way to the cross through his son, Jesus Christ. And once you get there, you can find life in him. So I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 1. And by the way, isn't that wonderful music? I mean, you know, if, if you're not saved, I would go ahead and get saved like now. Uh, or during the music, just cry out, Lord, save me. Uh, I repent. I turn. I trust you. I want to worship you forever. One of the things that we do here at Sagemont is we uh, teach you God's Word. Psalm chapter 1. Uh, I learned this when I was a young boy here and a teenager and went through the ministry. Had so many people mentor me here, but all of my mentors, and many of them are still here. They're just a little older than me now. They still serve here and they still work here. But they taught me to honor and respect God's Word. To honor and respect it. To give an attitude and an approach toward the Bible where we surrender and we bow down. Many of the songs, the words that we sing is about bowing down and surrendering. So we bow down to the truth of who God is. We walk in His obedience and we understand that God's Word is true. So Psalm chapter 1 is this beautiful text today that we want to look at about how to be blessed in 2019. And you'll hear a lot of sermons on TV, and you'll probably see some things online about how to be blessed, and you would think you would go straight to the prosperity message, and, and that's not what the word blessed means at all. The word blessed here in this passage of Scripture, according to God's Word, means something totally different than what we usually hear about being blessed. And so I want us to look at Psalm chapter 1. I want us to understand that there's two ways. There's God's way, and there's the world's way. There's righteousness and there's wickedness. Uh, there's two gates, there's two ways. So you can choose the path that you want to go on. And it's a choice that you can make. So we want to understand that the path will lead. There's not a third way, there's just two ways in this text. In fact, in this text, you'll see a culmination of all of the Bible. You'll see many uh, words in there that will show up in other texts in the Bible, but you can capsule it, all, capsule it all in Psalm chapter 1 of how to be blessed. So let's look at this text. Let me read it, and then we'll break it out. Blessed is the man, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree that's planted by streams or rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Circle that word. We'll talk about it. The ungodly are not so, but they are like a chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked or ungodly shall perish. We see this Psalm 1, how to be blessed, how to know if you're on God's way or if you're doing things your way. Um, the question is not, is God is my way? That's not the question today. You'll see that in the text. God is the way, and he's made a way through Jesus Christ. We know that in the scriptures, for you and I to be saved, for you and I to have salvation in him. The question is not, is God a way? The question is, is he my way? Is he your way? Have you put your faith and trust in him to the point where you can understand what blessing really is? So let's look at the text here, and if I think about describing this in my mind. For those of us that are a little older in this room, when Astral World was there, you remember Astral World? Uh, season tickets, you remember the bread. 
Okay, we get bread as we would leave every day. Uh, man shall not live. Uh, yeah, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But it was that the bread was good. So one of the things that we did at Astro World was we would ride the taxi cars, if you remember. You would actually get in a taxi car, and those taxi cars, you thought you would be driving them because they would have a steering wheel. So you'd hop in with your family in the front and in the back, and you would drive. And then it dawned on you, maybe next year, when you had another season pass, that there's something that's keeping you driving down the middle. There was a rail that was in the middle. It didn't matter where you turned. It didn't matter if you went left or right. The rail kept you on the straight path and on the track. And that's what God's Word does for us. It keeps us on the rail of what God intends for us to be blessed. God's Word is like the rail. People go to the left, they go to the right, they choose their own way, but God says the blessed man is one that understands that I've got a rail that I've put before him, and if we stay on the rail, which is God's Word, it's written to us, it's written for us, we can be blessed in 2019. So Psalm 1 says, look at the text, it says, blessed is the man. Now the word blessed there means uh, uh, it's super intensity in the word here. It means to be super blessed. It means oh the joy or oh the blessedness of the person who walks in the path of God, who walks in the ways of God. So the blessed man is super blessed. So it's a blessing that comes. Blessed is the person, the man or the woman, blessed is the man or the woman who does not do certain things. See, it's kind of called the doctrine of separation. When you trust that God's word is the rail for your life and the path for your life, there are things that you don't do, and then there are things that you do. It's the doctrine of separation, if you will. So notice the path. Notice the way to be blessed is defined by three things immediately that we don't do. The person who trusts in God, who trusts in God's ways, who personally understands who God is through the Lord Jesus Christ, understands that God's word will keep him on the rail, and there's three things he doesn't do. Look at the text. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. You see, that's important to understand. So when we want to be blessed, we don't go with the way of the world. We don't go the counsel of the world. So if you and I aren't in God's word and we're not meditating on God's word and we're not putting our life into God's word, then we are receiving counsel from somebody else. We are receiving counsel from the world. So the psalmist here says, the blessed man is one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, our counsel comes from God's word. This book is the refrigerator of our lives. It is. You know, I, I've been, uh, uh, call it stress, I don't know what you call it, but I've been going to the refrigerator a lot. You, you do that, you know, when you have a little time off, and I'll go to the refrigerator, and my wife will say, well, what are you going to the refrigerator for? I say, I, I have no idea. And I open up the refrigerator, and lo and behold, the Lord has provided Bluebell. I mean, you know, uh, it's amazing. And I'm thinking, I'm going to the refrigerator because I'm hungry, because I desire, now this is at 10, 11, 12, I know I have issues, I, I agree, but you have issues too, so let's agree with that, because uh, you say, well, you, if, if you had the issues you had, you shouldn't be up there speaking. If I knew your issues, uh, you, you know, I wouldn't be here teaching you, right? So we all have issues, right? All of God's children, we got issues, right? So here's what I want us to understand. But if you want to walk in the counsel of God's Word, you have to spend time in God's Word. 
So you have to not only know the author of the book, but you have to understand that God's word is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's active is what the scripture says. So we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. So God's word, when we walk in the counsel of his word, his book is like a refrigerator for our lives. And so we understand how powerful God's word is. We understand how it keeps us on that path. It keeps us on that rail. It keeps us where we need to be. See, if you want to know who you should marry, you better know what God says about dating. Let me say it again. If you want to know who to marry, you need to know what God's word says about dating. You don't make decisions of what you're going to do in the midst of pressure. You make decisions about what you're going to do and what you're not going to do long before by surrendering and bowing down to God's Word. So we can't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, if you want to know who to marry, if you want to know what job you're supposed to have or what you're supposed to be doing, you don't ask other people. You go to God. You go to His Word. You let Him speak directly to you. So the first thing the text says about the blessed man, the man who is super blessed, who is happy, who is, the word blessed means to be inwardly fulfilled. It means to be satisfied with God. So the question would be this morning, are you satisfied with God? You say, I'm on a scale of one to 10, I'm about a nine. That's not good enough. It's a 10. We are either satisfied fully with him or we're not satisfied with him. Either God is filling our life with his word and his book is a refrigerator for our life where we get nourishment and strength or it's not and we're going the counsel of the ungodly. So this is a really good message for me and for you at the beginning of the year. Here's the second thing that happens here. Nor, the blessed man, nor does he stand in the path of sinners. Well, where do sinners stand? They stand in their own strength, in their own power. Uh, the word uh, stands here in the path of sin. The word path here means the characteristics of a sinner. So how does a sinner stand? A, st- a sinner stands in his way or her way. A sinner stands and says, I don't want God's way. I rather would have my way. And you can have it your way. I think there's a song old school on that one. You can have it your way. And so the idea is that's how a sinner stands. A, st- a sinner stands stands in his way or her way. Now watch this. A person who is delving into the book, into God's word, stands on God's word and stands on God's way and stands in God's path and stays on and God's word keeps him on the rail or keeps her on the rail. So we don't stand. This is the negative. We don't stand in the path of sinners. We don't characterize our life in the path of sinners. I don't want what I want. Listen very closely. Jesus died for those of us who were going our own way. That's what he died for. So if we're going to stand in the path of sinners, we're standing in the way of what Jesus came for. He came to die for people who would choose their own way, and people who would choose their own way will end up living and dying in their sins and spend eternity separated from God. So I don't want my own way. I need his way. I need to trust him. So I can't stand in the path of sinners. Notice the third thing, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So so you see the progression here. Look at the text. This person is walking, this person is standing, and now this person is sitting down. The idea of the word sit here in the seat of the scornful would be a picture of a teacher sitting down to share their opinion. And that's what happens when people go their own way. They're free to share their opinion about everything. Have you ever been around somebody? who shares their opinion freely. 
and they feel like their opinion is the only way and their opinion is God's way and their opinion really is kind of a a way that is skewed a little bit and is off a little bit, but people say, well, I just need to make sure my opinion's heard. Listen, you don't need to make sure your opinion's heard. You need to make sure that God is heard. And the way that you hear God is you surrender to his word and you listen to him and you make sure that your mind and your heart is focused on him. So it would be a picture of someone who's scoffing the Lord. You know, there are people that scoff us today because we worship God. Because we come in here and we sing, there are people that would say, you know, they just scoff our way. When we open up God's word, they say, oh, those are people, they they just scoff at us, they laugh at us. But one day, listen to me, they will bow before the very one that they are scoffing and making fun of, that they are turning their nose up at. And, and, And God says through the psalmist here that if you want to be blessed, you don't sit in the seat of the scornful. You don't walk, you don't stand, and you certainly don't take a seat with these kind of people. So be very careful who you hang with. Be very careful who your company is. It would be like this. You know, many of us are waiting for God to speak about what he has not done in our lives. And God is waiting on us to do what he has already spoken to us about. Some of you need to follow the Lord in baptism like this young lady did. You've been putting it off, you've been waiting, you've been saying, I'll do it another time. God has already spoken to you. And you're saying, I want God to speak to me in my life about things in the future, about future revelations. Until you settle that revelation, why would he give you more revelation when you haven't already responded to that which he's already told you? And it comes from his word. So God speaks to us. It would be like God reveals his word to us as we walk in obedience. And that's what I see in this text, a man that's walking in obedience. It would be like if you wanted to go from California to New York and you wanted to drive in the daytime, you can make it. But if you wanted to do it at night, you can only go about 15 feet at a time. Because God's not going to shine a light from California to New York and you get there. He's going to put a headlight on your car and you're going to go 15 feet and you're going to walk, you're going to drive those 15 feet and be obedient and go as far as that light will go. And then you're going to go another 15 feet. And then it's little step after little step after little step. We're always waiting for the big giant step, the big thing that God needs to unveil to us. But listen, Christianity is about the little steps of faith, little steps of obedience, little steps here, because these little steps lead to a destiny. That's what the psalmist is saying here. So these are three things we don't do. Now look at verse two. Look at what we do. This is what we do do. There's a pause. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Okay, so here we go. Notice what verse two says. But here's the contrast. Three things we don't do. Here's things we do. But his delight, look at the text, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. But his delight, the word delight means to be so focused on something that you don't wander away from it. That's what the word delight means. It means to so delight in something, to have so much joy and so much bliss and so much favor in something that what you delight in causes you not to wonder. I want to make a confession to you. I have in my mind, my mind has wondered. My mind has wondered. I mean, there have been times when I'm trying to focus on the Lord and focus on his word, and especially recently, even in studying this week, my mind has wondered. And here's what I want to say to you. God is so sweet to me to love me 
when I'm not delighting in him like I should and my mind is still wondering and I'm still distracted by something, God is so sweet to love me back and allow me to continue to walk with him and to love him and to struggle with him and to wrestle with him and all those things. But the idea of the word delight, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That would refer to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. But really, since we have the whole canon of Scripture, it would refer to all of the Bible for us. But that's where our delight is. So when you delight in something, you have a desire for that something. When you delight in God's Word, you have a desire to spend time in God's Word. And so God's Word keeps us from wondering. It keeps us on the track and the path. Do you see what the psalmist is saying? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's beautiful. So when, when you see the scripture that says, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, that doesn't mean God will give you anything you want. That's what a lot of people say. It means God will give you what he desires for you. You delight in him, listen carefully, you delight in him and he will put his desires in you. That's important to understand. It's not anything I want. Because some of us have bought things that we didn't want. We thought we wanted what we wanted, but when it really came down to it, we didn't want what we really wanted. What we really wanted was him. We just didn't know it. So when we delight ourselves in him, he puts or places what we need in our lives. Stop looking for a mate and focus on God and let God bring the mate that he has for you in his time. You don't focus on the mate, you focus on God. You don't focus on the next job, you don't focus on the next position, you focus on him. You delight in him and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So the psalmist here says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You know, think about that. You can get legalistic with reading God's word. You know, I remember one year, because this is, you know, resolution time, and I don't believe in resolutions. I told you last week I believe in revelation. That has to do with Bluebell. But when you delight yourself in something you desire, and I remember I could read 10, I would say I'm going to read 10 chapters a day from the Bible. That was one of my New Year's resolutions. I would read 10 chapters a day. And I couldn't tell you one word of the 10 chapters that I read. Because I was doing it to check a box off of a list that I had created on my computer. But this year, I'm going to read a whole lot of God's Word. I was reading God's Word, but I wasn't delighting in God's Word. There's a big difference. When we come to Scripture, we don't just read the Scripture. We let the Scripture read us. It's better to just grab a hold of one word in the Scripture and let it come alive to you and into your life and to my life than to read ten chapters and get nothing. Delighting yourself is understanding that God loves you and He wants a relationship with you. And when you delight yourself in Him, then He gives you the desires of His heart. So you delight in the Lord. You don't read Scripture from a legalistic vantage point because if you read nine scriptures or nine chapters and you didn't get to 10, you're going to think that God doesn't love you or accept you. What you come to a position in delighting is no matter how much I read or don't read, God loves me with an everlasting and an eternal love. And because that love is so great in my life, it gives me delight and I don't have to read God's word. I get to, I get to, it's a privilege. It's a privilege, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Do I have to kiss my wife? No, but I get to. Now, let's don't go too far with this one. 
But let's just understand, someone would say, well, how many times do you kiss your wife? Well, I kiss my wife because I delight in my wife, and I want her to know how much I, it's getting warm in here, isn't it? You understand what I'm saying here. Now, this is important. So delight in, the text says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So, so this would be a point you could write down. We read scripture uh, with delight. We read it with delight. So we read it with delight. Secondly, we read it daily. It says, and on his law, he meditates day and night. So we read it daily. We read it uh, delightfully. And we read it daily. We immerse ourselves in God's word. And I promise you, for me, for me, going through this grieving process, this this heart-wrenching pain that sometimes overwhelms me, I'm distracted from God's word. And God is just trying to drive me back to his word and his love relationship with me. And sometimes I'm so distracted, but God's so sweet just to love me and let me delight in him. And I can do it daily if I'll just pause and spend time with him. The third way you can do the scripture, understand it, the psalmist says, is you can love it deeply. Notice what the text says. And in his law, he meditates day and night. The word meditate is a word that I'm familiar with. Because when I lived at my grandmother's house, there were cows out in the field. I would walk down this uh, road, this back road for exercise, and I would speak to the cows. I know I'm weird. I have issues. And I would just go, mm. and, and I would wait for them to put their head down, and I would watch them chew. So here's what they would do. They would chew on the cud. This is explaining the word meditate. The word meditate means to chew. The word meditate means to chew again. The word meditate means to chew, it means to burp it back up, and it means to chew it again. I know that sounds good, doesn't it? Now you think about that. That's what the word meditate means. Uh, an old cow will, will chew the cud, and, and, and then later on in the day, because a cow, you didn't know this, has two stomachs. I, I know I, I look like I have two, but a cow has two stomachs. Now, this is important to understand. So when the cow gets hungry, later in the day, it's been chewing the cud. It, it, it swallows that, and then later in the day, it just uh, uh, burps it up, and it chews again. We could put McDonald's out of business if we did that. Think about that. But that's what the word meditate is. The word meditate means that not only do I delight in God's word, not only do I read it daily, but I allow God's word to be burped up in my life because there's going to be a time when I don't have God's word with me or I can't pick up God's word. So when I meditate on God's word, God is faithful when we memorize scripture and we meditate on scripture. You will be in a situation and I will be in a situation where God wants to burp up his word in our life and it'll be exactly what you need where you are at the place that you're in. And it only happens when you learn to delight in God's word. So read God's word, read God's word, meditate on God's word, love it deeply, love it daily, and love it delightfully. And then notice what the text says, verse three. Here's what it says. And he, this person, who learns to embrace God's way by embracing God's word, he shall be like a tree planted by streams of water, that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So he is like a tree. Think about that. He, a tree in the Middle East would need nourishment. So you would have these early rains that would come. 
But what was happening underneath the ground is that those rains would be soaked up by that hot, arid, dry climate. And so that tree would be nourished, not from external, it would be nourished from internal, from inside. So the person that trusts in God's word, that delights in God's word, that needs to be blessed by God is embracing God's word. And then God says, I'll put you down like a tree. You'll have stability and you'll have strength. You will be absorbing the beautiful life of Jesus and his word, and you will then be expressing that beautiful life to other people. He's like a tree that's planted by streams of water. The idea of underneath the current there, a stream of water would be a current. It would be unseen, but that tree would be nourished, and it would be planted along streams of water. And then, look at the text, it brings forth its fruit in season. So what God wants to accomplish in your life and in my life as far as his purposes carried out in our lives, when we're a tree that's planted with stability and strength and we're absorbing the nourishment from his word that we need, then God says, I'll take care of the fruit. See, we don't have to, uh, we don't have to produce fruit, we just bear fruit because we're connected to the vine. We're connected to the true vine. So the text says, whose leaf shall also not wither, verse 3 here, and whatever he does shall prosper. The word prosper doesn't mean what you think about prosperity theology, what people are saying. There are a lot of people making a lot of money off people that are sending in money because you're promised this or you're promised that. Let me tell you what the word prosper means in the Hebrew. It means to succeed. And the word succeed means you succeed and I succeed in the purpose and the plan of God when I'm delighting in his word and I'm embracing who he is and I'm embracing his word and I'm delighting in his word. Then I shall prosper and then you shall prosper. We'll succeed and have effective ministry because of the one we're connected to. Now, that's the way of God. Is God your way? Is this your way? Now, notice what happens with the text. There's a switching here. It says this in verse 4. The ungodly, they're not so. They're not like this. The ungodly, look at the text, are not so. It says here, but they are like a chaff which the wind drives away. What would happen in, in this culture and in farming days, they would, they would farm uh, they would uh, winnow, winnow the grain, and the way that they would do that is they would take like a, a, a fork and they would uh, get the grain and the chaff and it would all be together, and they would just shake that, they would shake that, um, that rake, that, that part of it, and, and the grain would fall to the ground and the dirt and the chaff would blow away because the chaff is just useless. So they would winnow the grain. And so it says, so the ungodly, the people that don't go God's way, the people that don't embrace God's way. They, they are like chaff. In other words, there's no meaning. There's no purpose whatsoever in their lives. And the wind just drives away. And so that's the beautiful picture here. Of the, there's a contrast of two ways and two paths and two lives that are represented here. There's not a third way. There's just two ways. And this is the way of the person that has no purpose, has no meaning whatsoever, because they've not delighted in God. They've not chosen God's way. Now notice what the text says. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Notice what the text says. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. All right, go back to verse 5. The ungodly, they're not going to stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Why? Because, because, 
when you understand this, that there, you know, either our sin is going to be paid for and is paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ and we embrace that and we receive the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ and his shed blood. So that way we stand in the judgment, but we stand in the judgment with already being judged for our sins because Jesus paid it all. All right? Now, or we will stand in the judgment in our own merit, in our own ways, in the way that we wanted to do it. I'll do things my way, and we will stand in that judgment, and we will be punished for our sins and spend eternity separated from God. So it says the wicked or the ungodly, they'll not stand in the judgment because they haven't received what it is to be nourished in their lives. That's what the text says. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So they won't stand now and they won't stand then. They will, they will perish. They will be separated from God. Now here's what I love about the text, Psalm chapter 1. Here's the big surprise. Notice what the text says. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So God knows the way of the righteous. He knows the way of the righteous, and he knows the way of the ungodly. The idea is, when we think of the word no, we think of two plus two equals four. But that's not what this word means here. The word no means that God knows your way. He knows the path that you're on. And he knows whether or not you have a relationship with him or not. It's not two plus two equals four. This is eternity that he's talking about here. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The people who have chosen to embrace his word have chosen to embrace his way. God says, hey, I know them and they know me. There's a knowing that's going on. It's about relationship and fellowship. But the way of the ungodly, they'll perish. Let me see if I can explain it to you this way. If there was a fire in this room, we would have several different responses in this auditorium right here. If there was a fire, some people would say, I, I don't smell a fire. I don't smell a fire. And here's what, here's what this translates in. I'm not really lost. I, I'm not really a sinner. I, 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 don't, I don't think I have any sin. I'm not lost. I don't need anybody to rescue me. See, the smell of sin is there, but they don't smell the fire. So there would be some in here that would, you know, if we had a fire, some of you would say, you know, I don't, I don't smell a fire. Then others of you, here's another round, some of you would smell the fire, but you'd say, you know what? I can handle it myself. I'll get myself out of this building. I will do things my way. I will handle this on my own. I'll take care of my sin on my own. I'll do the things I need to do to try to get into heaven by doing good works, which you can't, because there's only one good work that's been done, and that's the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, so you receive him. He is the only way. He is the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's not one of the ways. He's not some of the ways. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through him. So some of you would say, you know what? I smell a fire, but I can get my way out of here because I'm going to do it myself. And our righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy rag. You can't do it yourself spiritually. It can't happen. So some of you would say, you know, I don't smell a fire. I'm lo That's okay. Others of you would smell a fire and say, I'll get myself out of here. Then others of you, there'd be another group that would say, I see exit signs all over this building. I will get to one of those exit signs on my way, and I will do it completely on my own, and I still don't need any help from anybody. Here's the problem. Now, this is hypothetical. But what if you found out that all the exits led to a hallway, and there's only one way in, and there's only one way out? 
See, that's the way it is with salvation. A lot of people think there's a lot of exits. There's a lot of ways. But let's say that we exited this building and we found out there was only one hallway that it led to and there's only one way out of this building. Now, this is important to understand. So when you understand that God's way is just one way, so all of the exits would lead to a hallway and at the end of the hallway would be someone saying, hey, 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 follow me. And we would say, who's that? It's the person who made the building. If you follow him, he will get you out of the building and you will be safe. And that's the way salvation is. It's trusting in God's way. It's going God's way. So what you need to know this morning is not just is God the way, but is God your way? Is he your path? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Do you know which path you're on? See, you can be on the path of the wicked and you can be on the path of the ungodly today and you can be on the path that leads to perishing, but you can today, by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can get off of this path and you can move on to this path and then you have somebody saying, hey, you just follow me. You follow me. I will take you right into eternal life. So there's only two ways. There's only two paths. And what I love about this text is it says here, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So I want to ask you this morning. I mean, this is the first year, first uh, Sunday of the new year. And if you want to be blessed today, I'm telling you, based on God's word, you need to get on God's way and you need to get on his path. And listen, he's already paved the way for you to get there. He has sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross, a vicarious death, to die on that cross and be buried and raised on the third day that so you wouldn't have to go the way of the ungodly, so you wouldn't have to perish for eternity, so you could come into a love relationship with him and you can delight yourself in him for the rest of your days. You can wake up every morning with peace in your heart. You don't have to wonder, am I saved? Am I not saved? You can settle it today by going not only the way of God, but knowing that God is your way personally, just by faith, trusting Jesus as your Savior. Let me see if I can wrap this text up by giving you one illustration that I think will hit home for me and for you. So he says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I had a friend who was, uh, well, I'll tell you who his name was. He's in heaven. His name is Wayne Barber. I worked with him for five years. Some of you may know him. He went to Alaska one time, and he was doing some seminars and preaching and teaching out there. And he was uh, flying into Prudhoe Bay in Arco, uh, Oil, chemical, had a big plant there, and he was flying in. And he said he was flying in these beautiful skies. He was just flying in, and he was right behind the pilot. I guess this was back before security. And you could kind of have, like, conversations. And he was on a pretty good-sized plane, and uh, somebody gave him permission to sit there. So he started asking questions of the pilot, which probably isn't a good thing uh, when you're trying to land at Prudhoe Bay, which you've got the ocean over here. Probably not a good thing, but he tells this story. He said, um, when we took off, he said, we were I heard the pilot go 60, 80, 120, 140, and they were trying to get to 180 to lift the plane up and get, get up in the air. And so he said, there was all this fog that was down here, but once the plane lifted, we got up in the air and we began to fly around, fly around and it was beautiful skies, just wonderful, beautiful skies. And then he said, it was time to land the plane. And he said, I noticed the pilot said, we're coming in on IRS. 
You think, what is that? It's instrument rating system. So he asked the pilot, he said, what's the IRS? <laughs> well, we know what the IRS is. But he said, it's called the instrument rating system. And Wayne was behind him and he said, I just kept asking the pilot, I said, why would you come in on instruments when the visibility is so clear today? It's so beautiful today. You can see the runway, you can see the ocean, you can see Prudhoe Bay. Why would you come in on instruments? And the pilot said, don't ask me another question, we'll talk after we land the plane. So Wayne did what he was supposed to do, and he didn't ask any more questions. And then the pilot pulled him aside and said this, the reason that we don't come in with our own eyes and our own visibility, we cannot trust the weather here. He said about when we get to about 300 feet, 200 feet, maybe 100 feet, it may be very clear, but the lower we get, sometimes the fog rolls in off the ocean. And once you're there and you're coming in on your own visibility, you can lose sight of everything. You can get confused. And Wayne said this, the pilot said this, we don't trust what we think we see. We trust what is fixed and certain when we come in. The instrument rating system. Here's what I want to say to you in closing. When you and I face the fog in our lives, when you and I face situations where the fog rolls in, you better not come in on your own visibility. You better trust what is fixed and what is certain because God's Word, I'm going to say this to you, is fixed and it's certain. I can't trust with my visibility. I have to trust Him. And for some of you, the fog is rolling in in your life. And you need to trust God's word. You need to bow before God today. You need to bow before him. And you need to trust what is fixed and certain. I'm telling you, I struggle with this. I struggle with reading God's word. I struggle with spending time with God. I'm telling you, I'm the one that's on the stage. Somebody else should probably be teaching this. But I can tell you, if we can say we can struggle together and we can acknowledge that we haven't hit the mark, then we can trust him and depend on him to do in us what we can't do. And together, we're better for the gospel. So so the more time that you spend, the more time that I spend, the fog begins to move and then we can trust what is fixed and certain in our life. And when something happens into our life that is something unexpectable and unexplainable and maybe even a tragedy, we hold on to God's word and we delight in him and we say, oh God, would you do this in my life? Would you speak to me through your word? And when you speak, Lord, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. It's a walk of obedience. I'd like to close our time out today by just inviting you to come. The band's going to come and play. And I just want to ask us together as a congregation at 1115, um, you know, we're not one church that all, that we're, we're, we're one church that has two offerings of services, but we're not two churches. Like we have a Hispanic service, so we've got three. We, we want to be unified in our message and Brother John teaches the same scripture that I teach at 11.15. He does it at 9.30. And we, we together, as a congregation and a people, just want to say, let's bow down before God. So would you just pray with me where you are? I'm going to invite those of you that would like to come and just kneel before the Lord. Maybe, maybe this last year you got away from being nourished by the Word of God and you'd just like to come. There's nothing magical about these altars. It's a place where you can kneel before God. Maybe you'd just like to come and kneel and pray this morning. You just ask the person next to you, would you just stand where you are? Make it easy for people to get out. Would you just stand where you are? Allow people to get out if they want to get out and come and pray. Would you just 
along with me this morning, would you bow before the one who knows everything and who knows the way of the righteous, who knows the way of the wicked? Would you make a commitment to spend time in God's word? Maybe you're not being nourished by his word. You can just bow before him today. You can bow where you are in your heart. But if you want to come up front, you can do that. Just pray. Say, God, I need you. I need you. I want to delight in you again. Lord, my, my Bible study is not delight. It's drudgery. I don't, I don't even want to spend time with you, God. Just confess your inadequacy to him. He's big enough. He loves you enough. He'll allow you to struggle. He'll allow me to struggle till we get, oh, this is hard, till we get to the end of ourselves where we don't have anything left to give and we say, God, you do it. You do it. And he says, I've been waiting for you to get to the point of desperation so I can do in you what you could never do in your own strength. You bow where you are. You bow up front. You bow watching by internet. Just bow in your heart. Father, we come this morning. We trust you. There are people here who love you, who have trusted you as their Savior and their Lord. They're delighting in you. They're being nourished by your word. And I pray for strength for them to move forward, for them to be a... uh, a spirit of absorbing your word, the beautiful life of Jesus in us and through us. I pray for people who have shelved your word, who have taken your word and said, I'll get to it in five years. I pray for that person that they will return to your word today and that your word will speak truth and life to them. And they'll read your word in a delightful way, in a daily way, and in a deep way. Father, we just... We thank you for your word. It's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We're so dependent this year, this moment, this day, for you to do something through your word. And your word is life because you are life. I pray for people in this room who have not made a decision to make you their way. Some of you have not made God your way. You're doing things your own way. And God wants to save you today. He wants to bring you into a relationship with Him. And all you need to do is cry out, God, I want to know you. Say this prayer. Say, God, I want to know you through Jesus Christ. I understand that He died for me. And right now, the best way I know how, I ask the forgiveness of sins. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of missing the mark. Come into my life and give me a new heart. Let the old things of last year and every year before pass away and put your spirit within me and give me a hunger for your word today. That may be your prayer today. You said not only is God the way, but he's now my way. And you've trusted him as Savior and Lord. 